dynasty. Ain't a fantasy. The sports talk radio show could turn galaxies. But in a good way. Cause my dude Blake and Nicky knows what's up. Making no mistake. And they got what it takes to run this. Not only the job, but they truly love it. Join it for who? Only you, the fans. And it's only you who can help them. It's bad. This show is taking over slowly, but surely. I hope you're keeping up my wordplay. Ain't quite wordy. What's up, everybody? Welcome into Global Dynasty Sports Talk Radio, episode number 21. What's good? And just before, well, no, let's introduce us first. Uh, as I, I am already speaking, I am your host, Blake Plotsky, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Nikki Treat. What's going on, Nikki? Nothing much. What's happening, folks? All right, as you heard, this is Global Dynasty Sports Talk Radio, episode number 21. Blake and Nikki hanging out with you. Uh, as always, let's uh, go through the normal spiel before we get started here. Uh, Skype in Global Dynasty Sports Talk Radio, STR. Whoops, excuse me. Whoa, whoa, whoa. A little bit too much in there. Global Dynasty, Global Dynasty STR, all lowercase on Skype. Call in, say your piece, and be a part of the show with us. Email in Blake Global Dynasty or Nikki Global Dynasty at gmail.com. You can email either one of us. We'll both get back to you. Uh, Facebook.com, Global Dynasty STR, all lowercase. Type it in. Uh, should pop up instantly. Uh, like us on the Facebook Join the conversation with one of our with one of our news stories. Uh, comment on one of our shows. We appreciate all the feedback that we get. And last but not least, the Twitter underscore Global Dynasty underscore. Still working on getting to uh, uh, well posting the same stories that I do for the Facebook on the Twitter. I'm still. Still not uh, totally uh, on point with that. We're, I'll admit. we're only two human beings. There's only so much social media we can deal with in our lives. So, uh, Amen to that. I, I was going to say, I love my social media as much as the next person, but sometimes you just need to take a step back. I mean, because literally, I mean, I've said this before, like, the work for this show never stops, everybody, and we appreciate your listenership and everything, but even I and Nikki, even we have to take a step back sometimes and we're like, okay, how much does social media like run our lives? And we just need to take a step back from our phones, from our computers, and our electronics, and oh my God, I'm starting to sound like my father. Well, I admit it's much more than you, actually. I think that I could totally go off the grid if I didn't have to, you know, be here in civilization with social media and all that other bullshit. But it's okay. Keeps you connected. No kidding. All right. Well, let's get started right off the bat with our news for the week. 
we got you guys covered. The first story up right now is the story of a little altercation that LaShawn McCoy got into. And here's the story. Philadelphia police said Thursday that Buffalo Bills running back LaShawn McCoy was definitely one of the people involved in the alleged assault last Sunday, according to Mark Schwartz of ESPN. Captain Frank Banford denied a report that stated an arrest warrant for McCoy was imminent, saying no charges would be filed Thursday, which is today. We're recording on Thursday instead of Wednesday. Our apologies. Benford didn't say whether McCoy would be charged, but indicated to Schwartz that charges connected to the incident were coming. McCoy and three other men were allegedly involved in an altercation in, in a Philadelphia nightclub when three off-duty police officers, two of whom were later hospitalized. And last point of the story is the point that I want to emphasize. According to everything, with this story before we get into our discussion of opinion and things like that, after we give you all the facts, this stemmed from claimed ownership of a champagne bottle. Let that sink in for a second. You're at a nightclub with friends. Somehow you have a dispute over champagne to the point where the police get involved, you assault police, and I... Really? Just buy another bottle of champagne, bro. Really? I mean, seriously. That, 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 that's what we're talking about right now. Again, there's nothing more to, than that, and, you know, who knows if McCoy will be charged or not, but come on. I, <laughs> not using your common sense, man. No, not at all. I... Th- a bottle of champagne. I, I just, I, I can't, I, I, you know what? I'm not talking about this. You know what? We added this in. I added this into the rundown and I just can't. It, a bottle of champagne. Well, there you go. There's a couple laughs before we get into the real stories. Yeah. Let's just, let's just move on. I just, I just can't right now, everybody. Okay. I just can't. All right. All right. Up next, we actually have some legitimate news. Uh, Marshawn Lynch, which, uh, we talked about, uh, the last couple of weeks, the show that I did on my own, uh, episode 19 was the first time that we talked about that since being back from our holiday break. Uh, Marshawn Lynch, uh, has decided to hang up his cleats and here's the story. Marshawn Lynch intends to retire from football. Doug Hendrickson, the agent for Seattle Seahawks star running back confirmed his client's plans to the Associated Press on Monday. Lynch had indicated as much Sunday night before tweeting a picture with a pair of cleats hanging from a power or telephone line, according to, or according with an emoji depicting a peace sign. The Seattle official Twitter account later added the hashtag thank you beast mode to Lynch's original message. A spokesman said the tweet stood as the team's comment. Lynch won a Super Bowl with Seattle and played nine seasons in the NFL. He arrived in Seattle in 2010, and his attitude and bruising running became the foundation for two straight NFC championships and the franchise's first Super Bowl title. Okay. 
Now, we all expected this, and as I said a couple of weeks ago, we would update you guys uh, when we knew more, and here we go. All right, now let's talk about Marshawn Lynch, the player, his stats, and uh, things of that nature. Okay, so he had uh, roughly uh, 2,700 carries, give or take a couple, roughly between, let's see here, 9,000 and 10,000 yards, uh, 76 touchdowns, and an average uh, yards per carry average of 4.2. Okay, Nikki, we talked about this last week, and I'm going to go here again. Marshawn Lynch, Hall of Fame, yes or no? Mm, you know, <clears throat> I had a conversation with a few people after we talked about this last week, actually, and... uh. Sorry, I just lost my train of thought. Just thinking about the whole Hall of Fame thing and, you know, who should get in and who shouldn't. What I said about, um, who was it? Calvin something or another. I can't remember the guy we talked about last week. Uh, Megatron, Calvin Johnson. Yeah, there we go. Um, I, I, I mean, I still think that he was, you know, a pretty decent player. And I, I still think that he had the stats and everything to get in, but beast mode is, is a lot more automatic than that. I mean, like you said, he helped Seattle get to their first title. And I think that, you know, Super Bowls really do mean a lot, whether people want to admit it or not, when it comes to the hall of fame stuff, I don't think it always should. Cause I don't think that is exactly what makes a player, you know, but he's a damn fine running back that spawned a lot of, Marshawn Lynch uh, knockoff, so to speak, you know, over the last couple of years, especially coming out of colleges and stuff like that. The guys that just try to barrel through stuff and go crazy. I think he just has a really specific running style that people try to emulate and that he made an impact um, on the game, you know, and especially in the Seattle franchise. So. Okay, and here we are going to disagree. Always. <laughs> Except for the 17 minutes that we talked and we actually agreed last week. You Anyways. mean disagreed last week? No, 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 because... Ev oh, no, yes, you're right, because everybody thinks we agree on everything, of course. Okay. Yes, he won a Super Bowl title, yes. And... Sadly or not sadly, depending on how you look at it, the only position where Super Bowl titles are really taken into account, whether fair or unfair, is quarterback. Every other position is based solely on playing stats. Now, I have something in front of me that kind of points it out. So Marshawn Lynch... See here. Uh, actually, I I actually just closed it. I need to reopen it. Give me uh, two seconds. Dead air is always fun. Oh, so I didn't know you expected me to fill it with entertaining. Oh uh, no, no, no! You, no, you, no! You're good. I just needed to pull something up really fast. Okay, here we go. All right, Marshawn Lynch, 36th in career rushing yards. The people that are around him, let's kind of let's. I didn't let's realize he was here. so low on the list. Let's go through this here. 
All right, guys that are not in the Hall of Fame that are around him. And again, and I'll get into the whole Super Bowl and things of that nature. All right. I hate let's it when see. you ask me this question. I'll just say that right out. Like, what, what do you, what do you I'm mean? I'm not the person to say should or should not somebody go into the Hall of Fame, I guess. It's, it's our job to be analysts, though. No, I'm just saying, like, you know. We, we seem to always have contradicting opinions on this, giving me the uh, notion that, fuck, I must be seeing something wrong. <laughs> no, 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 no. Here, here, let me explain here. Okay, Herschel Walker, uh, 42nd in career rush yards. Uh, Hall of Fame player, or not necessarily Hall of Fame, excuse me, uh, Super Bowl winning player multiple times with the Dallas Cowboys. Not a Hall of Fame player, a man with multiple Super Bowl titles. Let's see here. Uh, the men between Marshawn Lynch at 35 and 37. Terry Allen, not a Hall of Fame player. Uh, uh, longtime Packers running back and one of my favorite running backs of all time when I was younger. Uh, Amon Green, not a Hall of Famer. Above him, Earl Campbell, Hall of Famer. Chris Johnson, still active. And another Seattle player at 32, Sean Alexander, not a Hall of Famer. Sean Alexander, a person that actually, I would say, performed better than Marshawn did. They had different styles. Well, no, I, I, I understand. I'm just saying that that's just, that's just my take on it. Uh, Ricky Williams, not a Hall of Fame player. Clinton Portis, not in the Hall of Fame. And I could go on yeah, I was and on say, and up the list. Okay. I think I think now, the real point is that they draft quarterbacks in the Hall of Fame and that's it. I mean, not it's not true. They draft other people, but I'm like it's it's like the main thing. You know what I mean? Right, right. I mean again, we we and we're going to we're going to talk about this uh, later in league coverage but take Terrell Owens for perfect example. I don't like the guy. I mean, come on, he's he's not my cup of tea and everything else. He's like top 3 best receivers in the league and even he didn't get in. I I mean, it just comes down to when you don't perform, it just it's not prevalent. The the only thing about other players like that get in like, let like, uh, well, Earl Campbell is a shoe in, uh, let's see here. Uh, let's see here. Jim Taylor, Joe Perry, uh, guys from, I mean, early, early days of the NFL. I mean, obviously back then it's different because you can't really compare Stats. I, I mean, and my dad is is. I mean, is the epitome of this argument. You can't compare old school players to new school players, because because the bodies are so different and the work rate is so so different and all that good stuff. I just I just don't see it. The yards per the yards per carry average is not great. I mean, four point two. It's not good. I. Uh, Again, only not not even ten thousand yards. I, I just I'm sorry, I I don't see it. No, don't apologize. Like I said, I I didn't know his stats can like I'm not looking at the sheet that you are right now. So 
you know, like I didn't know in comparison. So it's whatever. Like I fucking care at Seattle. You know what I mean? As in my opinion, isn't that strong on it? No, no, I totally gotcha. All right. Well, uh, we'll move on to our next news story here. But I do have to say our... one thing on the Marshawn thing. I mean, he's. Oh, sure. Absolutely. He's supposed to still be tied up for his contract with Seattle for two more years. So he's going to be paying out of the butt to get out of that, which is something that I was surprised you didn't bring up about this. Oh, yes. No, absolutely. Yes. He um, if he retires, which again, he's basically saying he's going to. He owes Seattle a bit of money that they paid him up front. No, absolutely. So. Just wanted to point that out for anybody that hadn't thought about that. Yeah, you're going to be sad to see you go next, you know, next year, buddy. But at the same time, you know, has any anybody thought about that? Exactly. So, uh, well, uh, like I said, if he retires, he obviously doesn't care. I mean, granted, he obviously doesn't care about a lot of things because he, you know, uh, marches to the beat of his own drum, so to speak. Yeah. All right, we got a couple of baseball stories for you. First up, uh, some arbitration news or lack of arbitration, so to speak. All right, uh, Toronto Blue Jays general manager Ross Atkins made the biggest move of his early tenure on Monday, reportedly avoiding arbitration with third baseman Josh Donaldson with a two-year $28.65 million deal. Atkins stated publicly last week that he hoped to avoid arbitration with the reigning American MV American league MVP, excuse me, after the two sides were about 4,500, four, $450,000 apart following an, an initial exchange of salary arbitration numbers. Donaldson filed for, 11.8 million and the blue Jays countered with 11.35 million. Scroll down here. Donaldson emerged as one of the game's premier third baseman during his first year in Toronto in 158 games, the 30 year old slashed, uh, 297, 371 and 568 with a career high 41 home runs. 40 or 41 doubles and 123 RBIs. And Donaldson was quoted as saying that he loves playing in Toronto and he wants to end his career in Toronto. Josh Donaldson made a salary last year of 4.3 million. So the bump of, I just had to stop us. I got uh, brain locked there. Which is basically an average bump of almost 10 million. I mean, which is something they look at that is crazy. But again, how Josh Donaldson emerged and and won the American League MVP outright. I, I mean, the guy deserves it. I mean, again, and... Toronto needed to hang on to him. I, I mean, again, with the team that they have, the one team that I'm scared of being a Yankees fan, and Nikki, I know you're a Yankees fan as well, is the Blue Jays. 
they're the one team in the American League East that scares me. The Red Sox, the the Orioles, I mean, the Orioles are planning some big moves right now. We're not reporting on them because it's all hearsay. So, you know, so we'll uh, report on that when it comes down the line. And the the Tampa Bay Rays are just, I mean, they, they are what they are. So the, the only real uh, competition here in the AL East is the Orioles possibly because they've been coming on strong and the Blue Jays and just locking up Donaldson with what he did last year. I, I don't know. I just, the guy earned his money and he definitely got exactly what he deserved. So props to him. Anything to add there? You know me, I'm not the baseball person. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. All right, moving on to I, our... I speak when I got something to say. All right, all right, all right. All right, moving on to our second baseball story here. Another avoidance of arbitration, this time in the camp of Jake Arietta. Here's the story. A person familiar with the negotiations says the Chicago Cubs ace, Jake Arietta has agreed to a one-year $2.7 million contract, avoiding arbitration with the highest one-year deal for a pitcher with four years of league service. The person spoke to the Associated Press on Friday on condition of anonymity because the contract had not been announced by the team. Arietta made $3.63 million last year. He asked for $13 million, and the team offered seven point five the largest gap among players who filed for arbitration. So basically, excuse me, holy voice crack. Hello, puberty. Okay. Jake Arietta is getting paid $10.7 million for one year. For some reason, they couldn't agree on more. Uh, I mean, obviously, being for what the Cubs did last year in the, in the MLB playoffs, I mean, the Cubs needed to lock him up. I would be a little bit worried if I were the Cubs because I, does this mean that he wants to test free agency or does this mean that he wants to go somewhere else? Because why couldn't he be like, oh, I'm going to give you a hometown discount or, or I'm going to sign on for more years or is that all they offered him or, or I mean, is this on Arietta or is this on the Cubs? I don't really get it. I, I just, and then also for perspective here with the 2.7 million, Jake Arietta, as far as pitchers go, let's see, I got the number right here. Jake Arietta, even with that giant bump from Three million to uh, ten point seven. Jake Arrieta still only is the forty second highest paid pitcher in the entire league. Jesus, exactly at ten point seven. Okay, now scrolling up here with everything else for perspective, the top five is as follows: uh, five Zach Greinke, twenty four mil. Uh, number four is tied between two 
Seattle's Felix Hernandez, 25. Uh, Yankees, CC Sabathia, 25. Detroit Tigers, Justin Verlander, 28. Uh, Boston Red Sox, David Price, 30. And obviously, LA Dodgers, Clayton Kershaw with 32 million. That, that, that Jake Arrieta is almost getting paid a third of what these guys are getting paid or half. And I just, again, they, they got him on the cheap for what he did last year. Again, I would be a little bit scared if I was a Cubs fan though, with that one year deal, it's not about the money they got him. They got him at a discount. I get that. It's that one year that kind of perplexes me. I just, I don't really know what to make of that. I I just, I I want to analyze it, but I can't because I just, I think about it and I just scratch my head and I go, huh? Yeah, it's pretty uncommon. Yeah, that I was just like, that. just what do you make of that? Again, and I'm not a Cubs fan. Hell, leading up to this, uh, to the show tonight, I should have, I should have asked my buddy that's a big Cubs fan. And I'd be like, what do you think of that? Because that's just, that's just not right. But then again, I don't want to, uh, with the, the job that they work and their own anxiety, I wouldn't want to put them through the roof and give them a heart attack. They're like, I don't want to think about Jake Arrieta right now. Hmm. It's like, well, pitchers and catchers report in about seven days. So you're going to, you're going to have to start thinking about it sometime. Yeah. All right. And our final news story for the week, got some boxing news for you. Gennady Golovkin finally announced. Excuse me. I just had to say triple G. Oh, oh, all right. Gotcha. Gotcha. All right. Gennady Golovkin finally announced his opponent. As we reported last week, uh, Canelo Alvarez will be fighting Amir Khan. Gennady Golovkin will be fighting Dominic Wade on April 23rd. Here's the story. Gennady Triple G Golovkin, one of boxing's best pound-for-pound fighters and hardest punchers, will return to action on April 23rd to face Dominic Wade. The fight will headline an HBO telecast that will take place at Fabulous Forum in Inglewood, California, just outside Los Angeles. After several weeks of back-and-forth talk in the press, it seemed possible that Triple G would be locking horns with Mexican superstar Sol Canelo Alvarez in the spring. Golden Boy Promotions, which promotes Alvarez, opted instead to have the Mexican take on British star Amir Khan, and Golovkin was left out in the proverbial reign. Golovkin is considered by most the true middleweight champion, and his fight with Wade is a mandatory defense of his IBF 160-pound title. The Russian powerhouse, wait a minute, isn't he Kazakhstanian? Yeah. That, okay, that's a misprint. I just noticed that. Okay, okay all right, I'm not the only one. Has, a knock, has knocked out 21 consecutive foes with the last coming in October when he dominated Canadian star David Lemieux in New York. The stoppages, the stoppage won Golovkin, 34 and 0 with 31 knockouts, the IBF strap, and he's ready to defend it against the under under 
unheralded Wade. Excuse me. Man, I cannot read tonight. Holy cow. So, Nikki, let's talk about this. Dominic Wade, any shot whatsoever? Hmm. Well, I mean, you know how I feel about Glovkin. I don't think that – I don't really think that anybody can beat him. Um, I, we were talking about this a little bit earlier. Um, I, I think that – it will probably be an entertaining match like every Triple G fight is, but I, I, I'm really just looking at this like a warm-up because I don't think there's any way that he can beat him before uh, Glovkin fights Canelo. Right, right, and I, and I agree. Uh, my only problem is when they say, oh, you know, they bring up the... Uh, uh, the... Um, uh, uh, Canelo Alvarez fight, like just completely just disregarding Wade. Like that's when you get in trouble. Like it, it's just looking past somebody. I, and again, and, and I, and I think Lovekin can win. I'm just saying that again, and Nikki, this isn't you. I'm talking about everybody else. Yeah. Like when, like when his promotion uh, company says, Oh, you know, we'll we'll just fight Alvarez after this. That's what gets you in trouble by just when you di- directly overlook somebody. Okay, well, this is what I'm going to say about that. I think that everyone in the world but Glovkin is thinking like that because we know what to expect from Glovkin. Of course, I don't think that that Glovkin looks at any fight like that. Um, at, like anybody that knows that's been you know listening to the show for, excuse me, sorry, that has been listening to the show for a long time knows that huge Triple G fan been watching him basically, you know, since he started. Um, of course. He considers every opponent that he gets in the ring with. I don't think that he takes any fight lightly. I don't think that he just shrugs somebody off, even if he knows that he's going to completely dominate the match and, you know, obliterate them. I don't think that he's thinking of it like oh well this is just a warm-up for Alvarez like how we are I think he's gonna take it in all seriousness I uh I think we're just saying that because we know what to expect right um and, I, I, and it's usually the cocky arrogant fighters that get like that oh you know we're well we're just going to the next one but he's not like that he's you see how much he considers each each opponent every second that he's in the ring with them, and I don't think that he ever thinks of anybody he fights like that. I, I mean, yeah. Or go, go ahead. I was just gonna say you 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 get what I'm saying, like. No, no, totally. Now, now here, now here's the deal. Like, the the only discrepancy against Wade is this, and it's a it's a big one. Wade has not fought anybody. I mean, literally, if you look at it, other than, let's see here, other than Nick Brinson, who I've never heard of. Who? who? Now, now, other than him in 2014, he's the only guy that Wade fought that was undefeated at the time. Or, okay, Grover Young was another and Michael Falk. Now that I'm looking how, down, how many fights at, he ha- did he have in in 2015? Let's see here. And wait, wait, who? Wade or yeah, Wade. 
let's see here in 2015 at the start of 2015 he had he was 17 and 0 okay now no i'm, I'm now, saying now, like throughout the throughout last year how many fights did he have oh oh uh just just one okay yeah so Golovkin had three or four fights last year i want to say this, now, now, I'm just saying, just just on the fact, like he's, I have to say he's in over his head right there. Like you're you're probably not even in the shape to be fighting a boxer as powerful as Triple G in the in no, right. yeah in in the state you're in. That's that's all I'm saying because I've seen that happen again and again where it's like this guy hasn't fought in like a year, and he's fighting somebody that. It's like on the rise and just gets his ass handed to him because he's just he doesn't have the stamina to keep up with somebody that's boxing all the time. That's just oh, another right. thing I, that that worries me about this fight. You know, you know what I mean? Right. I, I mean, and here's the deal. And like I said, I I didn't finish my thought. I'll finish sorry, right sorry. here. <laughs> and no, no, no. You're totally cool. So, and I and like I said, and I and I'm not done criticizing Wade. I'm gonna hit him <laughs> right right in the cranberries here. While he has fought people that are undefeated, let's just let's just like I said, seventeen and zero or sixteen and zero at the time for the one for the one, uh, Grover Young four and zero, Mike uh, Michael Falk two and zero, and his first fight Chris Davis three and zero. Oh, so okay. he's fighting babies. No, no, exactly, no, <laughs> and it gets worse. It gets worse. <laughs> oh man, Do- Dominic Wade has not fought anybody of substance. None of these guys, none of these guys, are anybody. This is gonna be like Dominic a, a Wade. Game why, again, now. while I'm trying, okay, I'm gonna pound the table here. I am trying to give Wade a chance. It's impossible, but though. You, you haven't fought anybody. You haven't fought anybody. You are in over your head. And again, and Nikki, you and I were talking about this before. I tried to give Wade a chance. I try to say, you know what? You never say never. But look, but looking at it, it's in front of my face. You, You're gonna need a miracle, kid. You, you can't you can't do this. Like a literal you miracle. You can't step up to someone who is as dangerous as Triple G for as big as he is. Again. You know, every boxer or mixed martial artist, they cut weight to get down to 160. I have no idea what Golovkin balloons up to three days afterward for a fight. I have no idea. It's He probably puts on 20 pounds. Yeah. I mean, hon- honest to God. I, I just... This... This is going to be, this is, like, devastating. Yeah, this is not going to be good. I again, I I tried to give Wade a chance, and as I look at his record, as I pulled it up, I just I can't. I give up. It should also be said that uh, the Triple G fight will be on HBO, whereas the Canelo fight will be pay per view. Oh no, I did I did say that. Uh, I didn't know if you said that or not. I found that out recently. Um, because, you know, planning on watching that fight with my dad, you know how much we both love Triple G. Of course. Uh, and I didn't know that the Canelo fight was going to be pay-per-view. It kind of pissed me off a little bit, actually. But, you know, whatever. Well, if you uh, if you need uh, an inside into the pay-per-view, you know, all you got to do is ask. Oh, oh, oh. Wink, wink, oh, oh, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. I- I'm, I'm just saying, like, it, it just kind of surprised me because it's not like a huge like fight 
Like it's it's your warm before well, you fight Glovkin. That's that's what this fight is. Well, well, the well the deal is. I, I mean, I'll give both. You know, obviously, I, I'm a huge Alvarez fan, as as you are. I'll give Khan his props. Khan, Amir well, Khan, yeah, more than is, more than you know Wade. But I'm I'm just right. saying, like, I didn't, oh, Khan is in another stratosphere. I, I mean, when it comes down to it, that's that's all I was really saying. I I just didn't know they didn't say anything until recently, and I'm like, oh, okay, well, there's that. Right. I, I mean, and and here's the deal. And I and I just and I reread this. I totally forgot about it until about this morning. Is that the reason that these fights are happening? Is both both camps requested it. They both said we want a t- want a tune up fight uh, before before we fight each other. So so then we can really beat the ever living hell out of each other until you can't recognize the other one's face. More or less. You know that was the plan. Yeah, but this uh, Dominic Wade is biting off more than he can chew. Th- this might be target practice. That yeah, um, it's definitely one-sided, and I'm kind of curious if like who set that fight up exactly because Glovkin is not wanted to want to like just beat a punching bag. Like we've talked about this before. His, one of his biggest problems in boxing is that he wants a challenge and nobody wants to challenge him. So. There's a good chance this kid just got too big for his britches beating a couple dudes and wanted to fight Glovkin and is just committing suicide, basically. Because he's not going to say no to a challenge. It's just... No, right, right. I I mean, and the thing is, is that... And obviously, Dominic Wade is trying to shock the world. I get that. Going back to Glovkin's last fight in Lemieux. Okay, so... Lemieux is, I mean, Lemieux hit him with his best shots and Glovkin didn't flinch. No, you really hit Wade's him. Wade, Wade is, to Wade do it is, again. I was just going to say, Wade is not a power puncher. He, again, and he only has 12 knockouts in 18 fights and he's fought in tomato cans. Yeah. That doesn't, that doesn't prove Seriously, anything. Baby, that, baby that boxers. Hurts. Yes, that hurts. You're standing with me. That doesn't help. That severely hurts you. I, anyway, anyway, I'm beating a dead horse here. Yeah, the, the point is, that's when the fight is. It's going to happen. People are going to get hurt because it's boxing. Yes. So <laughs> that's the news. All right, and we'll move into our league coverage. We got a couple of things here for you. Obviously, let's talk about the elephant in the room, the Denver Broncos Super Bowl win. Carolina Panthers try as they may. And so it looks like, wow. uh, Hold on, hold on, hold uh, on. I want to say this one thing and I'll let you go. Wow. This game was boring. Holy cow. Okay. Now go. (laughs) Yeah. Thank you, Kanye. Uh, I'm going to let you finish, but first I'm going to say, Peyton Manning is the most boring quarterback in the Super Bowl. All right. Hey, Taylor, I'm I'm gonna let you finish. Beyonce had the greatest album of all time, of all time. Yeah. Anyways, uh, uh, I I was just gonna say, well, it looks like I got my last NFL wish of the season. I mean, it's not like it really meant anything to me, but I just didn't want the Panthers to win. And oh, so satisfying watching Cam Newton throw a tantrum like a little baby. So. 
Yeah, on multiple occasions, actually, because now at this point, he literally threw a tantrum like a baby during the game. And then when people have tried to talk to him and press conferences and stuff like that afterwards, he's just like put his hood up and walked away like an angry emo school child. Like, you're really not representing your image very well, buddy. Okay, now... Where do I start? Okay, do I do what do we want to start in the game coverage and then go into the after stuff with Cam Newton or I just went into it, I guess, but Okay, all right, all right. I, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I don't think it really matters that much because like as you said, the game the game wasn't that great. So I mean we cover right. that real quick, like uh, all right. So Peyton Manning did not win this game for the Denver Broncos. The defense Broncos. completely, the the defense completely took apart the Carolina Panthers. They, they rushed Cam Newton. They knocked Cam Newton down at will. I, I mean, they Cam were steamrolling the Panthers. They really were. The defensive line would engage the offensive line, and then that would allow Demarcus Ware and Von Miller to come off the edge. And just just knock Cam Newton around. I, I mean, it was bad. Mm-hmm. Cam Newton had a QBR of sixteen point nine. QBR for those who don't know is a quarterback rating. Is it is a quarterback rating out of a hundred? Out of a hundred, Cam Newton had sixteen point nine. Cam Newton, uh, eighteen completions, forty one attempts, just absolutely terrible. Two hundred and sixty five yards. So that's respectable and and one interception no touchdowns to speak of Peyton Manning on the other side same same deal 23 completions or 13 completions excuse me 23 attempts 141 yards and an INT it's the first game that I, I read it's the first game where both quarterbacks did not throw a touchdown in the Super Bowl Wow, so they made Super Bowl history by being like just shitty. Yeah, being by being absolutely terrible. Exactly. Well, go defense. You guys really Pey- made Peyton that game Man- worth watching. And Peyton Manning was even worse. Oh, I Peyton know. Manning had a had a QBR of nine point nine. I know it was. They were both just shitty. I'll say it like it wasn't. Neither side was it was impressive. Like for a Super Bowl, quote unquote, I use that term loosely. It wasn't. I don't know. It's kind of almost as bad as the when the Broncos faced the Seahawks. Just like, well, this is entertaining. Exactly. So C.J. Anderson. I, I mean, C.J. Anderson probably performed the best out of anybody. Uh, Denver Broncos running back C.J. Anderson, twenty-three carries, ninety yards. Only a 3.9-yard average, but he uh, scored a touchdown. A lot of the touchdowns for Denver came on the defensive side. One of the mm-hmm. one of the touchdowns that visibly stands out in my mind was when Von Miller came, up, came off the edge, knocked the ball out of Cam Newton's hands, and I literally I – mean, the Panthers are in like their the own zone. 15. I mean, they're deep in their own zone. Yeah, 50 yards in the goal line. Exactly. Von Miller knocks the ball down. You know, he kind of falls over, rolls over, looks up, looks up, sees the ball, grabs the ball, and just kind of he rolled into the end zone. And I mean, and from there, I mean, literally, th- this game was 
so boring. It was the most boring Super Bowl that I can remember. And worse than that, I know that people watch the uh, the Super Bowl for the commercials. I know that those people exist, and there's a lot of them. The commercials were shitty this year. That was my point. That was my point. The commercials were awful. I didn't laugh once. No, god-awful. Like, I was sitting there, you know, with my brother, and he's like, that was the stupidest commercial that we're going to see tonight. And it was in the first quarter, by the way. And then 20 seconds later, I'm like, that's the stupidest commercial we're going to see tonight. And it just kind of went back and forth like that. It was terrible. Like, whatever happened to the good old days? Bring the Budweiser frogs back, damn it. Uh, I mean, and, and here and here's the deal. So you got, so you have that, and then you, the Super Bowl halftime show, I didn't get it. I didn't like no. it. Like, the Super Bowl halftime show is just, what was it? Like, I, just this entire spectacle can we, fell flat. Can we stop having, like, the music that, 13 year old girls listen to being the Super Bowl halftime show. Can that be a thing? Can like we have like real adult music for the Super well, Bowl uh, halftime show? Well, well the thing is is that, you know, I mean, I'm not a Coldplay fan by any means. I mean, I like Coldplay, but still, that's not the point. That is neither here nor there right now. But the but the deal is is that I, I mean I would have enjoyed if it was just Coldplay. Yeah. But I don't. But I don't need to see Bruno Mars again. Beyonce. I, I I don't need to see Beyonce and her little controversy. I don't need to see that. I I don't I don't need it. I just. No. Exactly. Like I this entire again this entire spectacle was terrible. I miss it was old it was days. awful. I really do. Like you, you remember when like the Who and Paul McCartney would play? Those were good. Like and it was just them, like just one band, and just not a whole bunch of crazy bullshit. Like it was a big cool show, but like it was like about the, you know the music and the entertainment, and not like the shock and awe, which no, is right. all anything is about nowadays, especially in the music biz, but. Uh, yeah, I, I do. Mm. Okay, yeah, I'm not going to get into that. <laughs> yeah, I just uh, this Super Bowl just fell flat for me. I mean, it was, I, there's nothing more that I can say. Oh, oh, I, oh mean, I got one more thing. Good job with your product placement, Peyton Manning. Very good job. Yeah, exactly. I'm going to go home and drink the beer of the NFL. I mean, Budweiser. Yeah, exactly. You know, I, and the, no, no, no. No, <laughs> we're not going to we're not going to move on before we start talking about this. I just looked at the timer, but I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to do this. OK, Cam Newton. Cam Newton. The first thing I'm going to say is this. It's easy to dab and be in people's faces when you're winning. Mm-hmm. But. You show your true character and what you're made of when you lose. Yep. And how you lose. That's another really important thing. I get that people say that Cam Newton just lost the biggest game of his life. I get that. Luke Keekley, Thomas Davis, 
Josh Norman, Jonathan Stewart, etc., etc., all sat at their press conference and took their lumps. Why? Why did? Why is Cam Newton the exception? Why is he the exception when he wants to be the face of the NFL? Why is he any different? Why? Some Nikki explained this to me. Why is he different? No, I can't explain it to you because I don't understand either. Why? Why? Why am I supposed to just accept that he walks off, but none of them get that? get that luxury. Someone like Thomas Davis, who's been in the NFL for what seems like 40 years. And he just lost the biggest game of his life playing with a broken arm and all had surgery on his arm two weeks ago. Yet playing in the NF playing in the super bowl, biggest game of his life. What? why can't he walk off? And it, it's, it's because he's <clears throat> I'm not going to say say too much because like I I'm not one of those people but he's an arrogant jerk you know and I mean it's he doesn't he doesn't care yeah cam cam newton wants to be the face of the NFL and the last thing I'm going to say is this you want to be the face of the NFL you don't act that way number 1 You'll never get there by acting that way. Number two, you can dish it out all year long by doing the Superman and dabbing on people and getting in people's faces, but you cannot take it. You can dish it, but you can't take it. And for that reason, you will never be the face of the NFL yeah. for that reason. Exactly. Look at, boom, look at some, boom. Done. Yeah. Look at some of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. And they've had to take their share of lumps along with, you know, the spotlight and everything. And not a, one of them acted like that. Like, like a, like a spoiled child. I will say, I will say that Cam knew that Peyton Manning did the same thing in his first Super Bowl. He walked off without saying anything. Yes. Peyton Manning does not do what Cam Newton does. There is a striking difference. And that's all I'm going to say. And that wraps up our Super Bowl coverage. All right, moving on. We gotta, we're going to talk about the NFL Hall of Fame class, which was announced the night before the Super Bowl. And we'll talk about, I mean, there, there were a couple of big names here. Uh, uh, the first, obviously, being Brett Favre. Ooh, ooh. Now, me not being a Brett Favre guy does not preclude, preclude my... All of, sudden, all of a sudden, there's an echo here. Not important. Uh, Brett Favre. There, there we go. Got it. All right, Brett Favre. Elected to the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Now, Brett Favre, not a Brett Favre guy, never have been. I am, though. And, but I will say this. He's got a Super Bowl, and he's got all the stats. I mean, again, the, the man played for an eternity. The guy was an Iron Man. I mean, Nikki, what, what's his record? Like 271 straight games mm -hmm. without without missing a beat, basically? Mm -hmm. Yeah. He had, I mean, the, he had like laser. The guy, 
exactly. The guy would get knocked down time and time again, and he just and he just keep playing every single week, even if he's on the injury report. He just shakes it off and he goes, "I'm just gonna play," and he throws for 7,100 yards. I mean, just an insane amount. Now, the only thing against Brett Favre that I would say, which is why Brett Favre is not in my top five quarterbacks of all time, is he was a turnover machine. That is the sole reason why he is not in my top five greatest quarterbacks of all time, Super Bowl or not. Having leading for all-time quarterbacks and interceptions just doesn't do it for me. Yeah, well, to each his own. No, and that's fine. I was going to say, my top five quarterbacks are as follows. Uh, number five. Didn't we talk about this and I didn't agree with you? Uh, well, I we didn't say it on air, so. Oh, yeah, go ahead. All right, so uh, number five is kind of up in the air. Uh, number four, Dan Marino. Number three, John Elway. Two, Joe Montana. And number one, obviously, is... Tom Brady. And yeah, I didn't agree with you. And cause it's not an obvious thing to say, but anyways. I, all right. Uh, let's see here. The other, a uh, couple of the other notables here, uh longtime Colts wide receiver, Marvin Harrison has the stats to back it up. Marvin Harrison had an amazing career, Uh longtime uh, St. Louis Rams, offensive lineman, Orlando pace, that guy played for a long time too. Definitely deserving. Uh, former coach Tony Dungy, now NFL analyst for NBC, uh, deserving. Kevin Green, uh, Ken Stabler, also deserving. Eddie D. Bartello Jr., uh, Dick Stan- Dick Stanfell, and that is the list right there. Okay, that is all. I thought there was a couple more names. My apologies. The glaring omission was Terrell Owens, who did not get in. You, you know, Terrell Owens had the stats. He, he had Marvin Harrison-like stats. Marvin Harrison was not a team disruptor, though. Yeah, I was going to say, T.O. has, like, never been a team player he probably he's probably the all-time leader for personal fouls. He also led the league in drops. Uh, oh. I believe it was three years of his career he led the league in drops. So now 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 Terrell Owens would say, "Oh, I had a broken hand. I was injured, and this and that. Then why are you playing? Yeah. If if you can't perform and catch the ball and do your job, why why are you even playing? I. I, I don't understand. Yeah, I think that it was rightful that they kept him out personally. He'll have another chance next year. We'll see. Yeah, yeah. You know, I was gonna say. You know, I, again, I don't. I don't really know. I. I want to stay as impartial as possible. But come on, man. You. You know how you acted. He. He was a Philadelphia Eagle for. For a good. Five minutes. I know. He was also a Cincinnati I, I, Bengal for a good two minutes. And exactly. So Batman. we. So we. So. So. So we both know. You know what he was like. Terrible. It was one of the worst years of my the, life. The biggest thing that st- stands out to in Terrell Owens' mind, or in in my mind about Terrell Owens, is this: is not his stats. It's him doing sit-ups in his in his 
his I setup would. to his driveway when he was a Philadelphia Eagle. Exactly. See, and, and it's, and, you know, you and know exactly where I yeah. was going. Because because for me, like Terrell Owens has a notable story for every team he's with. For me, it was like during training, you know, like spring training, and him and Ocho Cinco were standing there, and T.O.'s like, I'm Batman, and this is Robin. I was like, you did not just say that. Oh, my God. It was just the most embarrassing thing I think I'd ever seen. And to just see Ocho Cinco's face like, what did he just call me? He just fucking called me Robin, bitch. He's just like, he just looks at him. He's like, say what? Yeah, no, it was uh, it was pretty hilarious and ridiculous. And that's what T.O. was. So, yeah. Anyway. All right. Well, that's your uh, Hall of Fame class there. And uh, like I said, everybody on the list, very deserving. And congratulations to the, your uh, 2016 NFL Hall of Fame class. And uh, Nikki, this one's going to be tough for both of us to talk about. And I probably should not have ended the show on this, but I felt like it was the right thing to it do. It was better than starting the show on this. R- right. Okay. This one hits both Nikki and I right in the feels being that we are big fans of the extreme sports. Exactly. Last Friday, we got some terrible news about a legend in extreme sports, BMX riding in particular, BMX legend, 41 year old Dave Mira committed suicide of an apparent gunshot wound. Uh, Dave Mira posted before, uh, uh, sorry, this one's going to take me a bit to get through. Um, he posted on Instagram a couple hours earlier about how his wife was his rock and, uh, and how, uh, I did have the Instagram post here and I lost it. Okay. Um, And he posted this cryptic Instagram post and people are like, I had no idea. And I looked back on it and I said, I thought about it and I looked at it and I looked at it and I said, and I came to the conclusion by the way that it was worded that I was like, if that's not a suicide note, I don't know what is. Yeah. And, and he basically just said, you know, he's just like, I'm out. And, and I, and obviously I, I don't know Dave Mira from, you know, from a cup of dirt, but I do know what he meant to the world of extreme sports, to BMX riding, to X games and everything in between Dave Mira. I held the record up until two years ago for most gold medals in X games history now overtaken by One of my biggest uh, favorite athletes in extreme sports, big air, Bob Burnquist, Dave Mira, uh, after he won his first X Games gold medal in 1996, in 1997, he won every single BMX event that he competed in from 1997 to 2000, winning, let's see here, winning eight gold medals before he took second in his second uh, BMX event in 2000. 
He won BMX Park in 2000, took second in BMX Vert. So he won eight gold medals straight from 1997 to 2000. Basically, in like Olympic terms, he was like the Michael Phelps of BMXing. More or less. I, I mean, again, he competed for years and years, and his last gold medal was in 2005 in BMX Park. Then after that, he placed second, third, 16th, second, third, eighth, third, uh, 11th, eighth, sixth. List goes on. Yeah. And uh, sorry, sorry. The 11th one was when he switched sports. He retired from BMX competition in X Games when he finished third in 2009. Uh, and then he switched to... Uh, to uh rally racing yep. in x games of all things so he was actually a dual sport athlete i knew about that actually so i, I was more or less alerting our our uh, listeners more than anything no, i, I, I know you know I, I was gonna say i know you know all this i didn't know <laughs> if you knew actually there are some people that didn't know that he switched over no yes absolutely i i've got it all right here in front of me so so in in saying that dave mira uh, his overall medal count, 14 gold, 16, six silver and four bronze for a total of 24. As I said, he held the record up until 2013, uh, overtaken by Bob Burnquist. Bob Burnquist now holds the overall medal count for all time get X games competition. Dave Mira though, Nikki and you and I talked about this. Uh, a couple of days after the news broke. I want I want to talk about our top five favorite extreme athletes of all time. I've got my list. Do you need some time to think about it? I probably couldn't put them in any particular order, but I could I could, oh, okay. I could throw okay. out five names. Oh, okay, that's fine. And again, and they don't necessarily have to be in order. That's totally fine. For me... All right, I'm going to go, obviously, five to one, obviously. Uh, let's see here. Matt Hoffman, five. Uh, Kelly Slater, four. Bob Burnquist, three. Dave Mira, two. And, obviously, number one is Tony Hawk. Now, for me, Dave Mira and Bob Burnquist are interchangeable. I have a big bias toward Burnquist. Uh, because he he's always been my guy. My my brother idolized Dave Mira growing up, and always wanted a Dave Mira branded BMX bike. He always wanted the Dave Mira Harrow bike oh, that that Dave Mira rode in the X Games. Now, like I said, I I always respected Dave Mira. He just was never my guy. I was a more of a Ryan Nyquist guy. I was just about to say that I was I was going to be like Mira and Ryan Nyquist are pretty much interchangeable for me. Right, and Nyquist was my guy growing up in BMXing, but my guy has always been Burnquist. Again, and some people are like, you know, Tony Hawk. I go nah. See, no, uh, that's not my favorite skater of all time either. So. Like for me, like I can throw this out like in sports and, and like the, the individual sports basically. So like Tony Hawk has to be on the list because that's like having a top basketball player list without Michael Jordan or Wayne Gretzky and like Mario Lemieux not being on a top like NHL list, you know, so you have to give props to Tony Hawk for what he did. Um, 
But my personal favorite, like, skater of all time is Rodney Mullen, the manual king. Like, personally, when I used to skate more for, you know, my knees got blown out, I I was more of, like, a flatlander myself. I, I love, like, how that's so much different than big air and everything. Basically, I'm the polar opposite of you, Blake, when it comes to, like, what I like in my skateboarding. Um, but... Yeah, Nyquist over Mira, basically. Um, but I love them both, and, and Mira was great in what he did. Uh, J.P. Walker for snowboarding. Man was a beast. Rides for Forum. Uh, I did not get into surfing as much as I should, but... Uh, that, that's like, why, starting in March, we're covering the World Surf League. Like, and I, I'm trying to think of like a name, really, that comes to mind, but I didn't watch surfing that much. Yeah, I'm going to definitely watch it when we start covering it you know me in extreme sports so uh let me think still need to put up throw out like two more right um probably bucky lassick he was an amazing skater too that was more into the whole big air scene that kind of flew under the radar for people that weren't hardcore skaters uh that's about the top five yeah I could talk about that shit though forever. Like there, there are so many like amazing skaters and BMX guys that were completely influential to the sport. Absolutely. Now, and there's a more of a controversial topic with Dave Mira that I want to touch on before we get out of here. The concussion thing, right? Exactly. And, And not even necessarily the concussion thing, but CTE. Yeah. Um, uh, in, yeah, that's uh, what I meant. Specific, specific, specifically, there we go. I was I was searching for the word specifically. Porky big in it. You you know, and, and and not to be crass or disrespectful, I have no much or I excuse me words. I have no idea how much of Dave Mira's brain is left after um, the way that he went out, but. I hope to God that if there is something left that his wife will allow his brain to be studied because take Matt Hoffman, for example, Matt Hoffman had over a hundred diagnosed concussions in his career. Matt Hoffman, I'm surprised is, is as well put together as he is yeah. with his, with his business ventures. Now that he's retired, uh, because because these guys these guys put their body on the line and again it's called extreme sports for a reason yeah and what a lot of people also aren't considering um talking about this topic is that <clears throat> this was back in the early days of extreme sports before things got more put together when BMX guys would go out there and you know little more than like a skate boarding helmet like now they do the full you know like full mask motocross helmets most of the time because you know they need to protect all of that but like the stuff that they were using to protect themselves way back then was not really doing much good you know safety in extreme sports has gone up some levels in the time when like guys like Mira Nyquist and Tony Hawk first started so there, it, it's really no surprise that he busted his head up more than a few times. Right. I mean, and, and it's not even, it's not even a question of concussion of a number of concussions, but even just head trauma in general, yeah. like him getting his head knocked around 
but not enough to diagnose a concussion. And that's why I think, and again, and of him, again, seemingly he was fine. And then this Instagram post, and then he was found with a self-inflicted gunshot wound. You know, again, one has to bring up the argument. And if nobody else is going to talk about it, then we will. Because it's just, it's one of those things. Yeah. Is it, is it possible? It's very possible that he had CTE. And the reason why nobody is talking about it is because the only thing that people talk about it with is football. And that's wrong because extreme sports, how many, how much these guys get knocked around and, and broken bones and they slam their head against the ground. And it just, there are plenty of sports that it needs to be talked about. Exactly. There are plenty of contact sports where we put our bodies on the line, you know, like we wouldn't, you know, in normal life situations, you know, and your brain can only take so much before things that are normal are backwards and blah, blah, blah. And just things that I can't even imagine, you know, I've played sports, you know, most of my life. And I know you have too. That's one of the reasons why we have such a passion is because we are athletes. And I know that I've knocked my head around so much that there are times when I just like have trouble remembering things, you know, and, and things like that. So I can only imagine what it's like to be a professional athlete, put your body on the line on like a constant basis all the time and just knock your brain around so much. You don't even know you're right from your left anymore. And how can you say that you're making conscious decisions then, you know, even that's, that's my whole point. Right. And and like one thing to switch up sports, but to stick with the concussion thing, one, one that, uh, that sticks out of my mind is MLS legendary striker, Taylor Twellman. He he, he would have gotten the goal scoring record if he wouldn't have had to retire early for concussions. And here's what I'm talking about. So you have Taylor Twellman. So he goes up for a header in a in the Eastern Conference Championship game. And the keeper comes out and blasts and double fists him trying to clear the ball, but he hits Taylor right in the side of the head. That was the sole reason that he retired. He came back next year and tried to play, but he played six games and he just retired because he just he just couldn't get right and he just wasn't wasn't he just wasn't right yeah so 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 after he retired here here's the here's the part of the story that i was getting to for four months he he sat in his house without the lights on because because he was so sensitive to light because of the concussion he just he just couldn't do it he couldn't go outside to walk his dog he had to have people come over to take care of his dog to walk his dog and all this stuff because he couldn't do normal things because of a concussion. And again, and this is one concussion going back to Matt Hoffman. He has over a hundred diagnosed concussions again. And somehow he is as put together as he is. It's one of those. It is the, the human brain is so complex that again, one person can have one concussion and have their life screwed up where one person can have over a hundred and have all their faculties in order. It's a weird thing. Yeah. It's the most volatile chemistry set out there. Absolutely. And you know what? And in the end, 
Dave Mira, you entertained us all, and you will be sorely missed, my friend. I know that you've been retired for a couple of years now, but you truly, truly put your body on the line for the fans of extreme sports everywhere. Nikki and I, we've respected you your entire career. And the last thing that I want... What was I that? was just saying you pushed the limit for sure. Absolutely. And the last thing that I want to say is that I hope that he's now at peace with whatever pain that he felt that he just couldn't handle anymore. Maybe he tried to get help and it just wasn't working for him. Maybe his wife tried to get him help. And, you know, I mean, this is all speculation, so I can't say anything yeah. more than that. The only thing that I can say is that I hope that he's at peace now. Yeah. Amen to that. Dave Mira, you're a legend and will always be a legend. And with that somber note, this comes, this brings to a close uh, episode 21 of Global Dynasty Sports Talk Radio. Uh, going through the ending here, uh, as always, call in Global Dynasty STR, all lowercase. Email in Blake or Nikki Global Dynasty at gmail.com. Say your piece, email in, and join the show. Uh, Facebook.com slash Global Dynasty STR. Uh, type it in in the search box, we'll pop right up. Uh, hit the like button. We appreciate all of your fandom. Uh, join the conversation, talk about our shows, what we did good, what we did bad, how we can improve. And just the conversation about uh, all our uh, sporting news, articles, shows, what have you. We appreciate every single bit of contact that you give us that helps us grow and improve. Building the Global Dynasty. Absolutely. And lastly, the Twitter, underscore Global Dynasty, underscore. And with that, we've reached the end, and we will be back with Global Dynasty episode 22. And so with that, for Blake Plot, excuse me, wow. For yourself. Yes, no. For Nikki Treat, I'm Blake Plotsky, and we are out. Peace. 